0: All right, Uh, welcome everyone uh, to our discussion this morning on uh, COVID-19 in Ukraine, Outlook for the Pandemic's Impact on Ukraine's Economy, Politics and Society. Um, It's clearly no exaggeration to say that this is a global crisis. Uh, It is perhaps comparable to world wars in the scope of its impact on uh, so many. in so many respects for the challenges that we now face uh, globally uh, in terms of governance, in terms of security, in terms of social cohesion, in terms of economic development. Uh, Ukraine, of course, has faced existential challenges over the past decade, arguably even longer than that. Uh, its war with Russia, the occupied territories uh, in Donbass and Crimea, uh, the effort to rebuild governance, to restore economic growth in the country uh, after the depredations of the last many years. So this is a country that is not unfamiliar with challenges, and yet this, a public health crisis, is a test of a kind that perhaps even the government uh, and society forged in crisis, were not prepared to deal with. Um, And yet we have an excellent window into what's going on in Ukraine, and we're uh, very fortunate to be joined this morning by four outstanding experts who are coming to us uh, with recent experience on the ground in the region, though of course, like all of us, uh, they are uh, doing their part to keep this pandemic from spreading by staying at home. Uh, So we're all coming to you uh, live uh, by uh, the the grace of the Wilson Center IT team and uh, comms team and Zoom. And uh, we all pray that this uh, platform will continue to work for us. Um, Let me just say, this is, of course, uh, one of uh, dozens of events we've already managed to do in this uh, new uh, post-social distancing phase. Um, We're very grateful to our Wilson Center colleagues who've made it possible. Uh, We have been able to cover everything from uh, the state of the global economy uh, to uh, various dimensions of the regional uh, response to uh, COVID-19 crisis, uh, as well as the issues that may be missed uh, that have been shunted off to the back burner. Uh, like, for example, uh, security in the Arctic region, which we covered in a live event uh, last week. So I'm very pleased to have everybody with us today. Um, What I'm going to do is go right to our four speakers. Um, I'm going to introduce them one at a time uh, so that their brief, totally brief and inadequate uh, biographical background will be Uh, fresh in your mind before they speak, then I'll introduce the next speaker. Uh, Each one will go for about five to seven minutes, and then we'll have plenty of time uh, for Q&A discussion. And I will receive the questions uh, from our team here uh, electronically. So you just go ahead and submit them uh, online through the chat feature, uh, and uh, I will see them within at most a couple of minutes, and and I'll be able to read them out and make sure to get as many questions in as possible. So I want to go first to Ilana Sologup, Uh, who will speak to us about, uh, just briefly, about the overall situation uh, with COVID-19 in Ukraine uh, and focus in on the impacts on the Ukrainian uh, economy. Uh, She is the CEO of Vox Ukraine. Uh, She started working at the Kiev School of Economics in December of 2010 and now holds the position of Director for Policy Research. Uh, Before joining the Kiev School of Economics, Ilana worked in the banking sector uh, where she performed market and operational risk analysis. Ilana, please take it away. Uh,
1: hello, everyone. pleased um, nice to greet you. So first, a uh, few quick numbers. Uh, so now Ukraine has uh, 900 people uh, tested positively with the virus and uh, 19 people who get well and 23 deaths. Currently, uh, this is more than um, capacity of the Ukrainian healthcare system because we have about 12,000 prepared beds for the uh, future patients. Uh, but the quarantine measures are quite strict in the country so right now the government uh, prohibited people of, uh, from going out without the documents uh, People can be uh, outside for a limited Number of purposes and time, and so on. So, uh, quarantine measures are quite strict, strict, and public transport doesn't work. Uh, And also, transportation between um, regions of Ukraine is closed by public transport. Uh, Now, I'll move to the economic situation. Uh, I will share my screen. Uh, Because I prepared a small presentation on the numbers. Do you see it? Uh, Okay. Uh, So, since uh, this is a Black Swan event, no uh, estimates are possible. uh, But uh, rough estimates are that this crisis is going to lead to about minus uh, minus 4% of GDP. Although if we are not, uh, if the government is not able to secure the IMF program and uh, other types of support, uh, the crisis is going to be much deeper, and uh, I prepared a small support analysis uh, to see just uh, what can be the risks uh, and opportunities, and uh, the strong side of Ukraine is now we have a much stronger banking sector than in 2008 2009. And we also have a large agricultural sector, and there's going to be quite a high demand for agricultural products. Um, uh, also, uh, low energy prices are helping us and hopefully the government will launch some infrastructure projects that will reduce unemployment. Uh, threats are more in the east and the uh, default, uh, which, is, which can happen uh, if uh, o- only the government decides that. Uh, and uh, this leads us to their weaknesses, uh, which is policymaking. Um, Quite a lot of inefficient companies that were inefficient even before the crisis. Uh, the flow of labor migrants of people who work in, work abroad can increase unemployment. And also, uh, since the healthcare reform touched only the first level, uh, these uh, hospitals is uh, can be the real problem. Uh, Right now, we don't have reliable data on the impact of crisis on people. We have only the surveys. So we don't have any administrative data from, for example, um, unemployment service or from the statistical office. And here we see that uh, 7% of people uh, already bear serious losses from the crisis. Uh, So the situation is not dangerous but it can worsen uh, work with them. and also you can see here that 14 people 14 uh, percent sorry of people report job loss and if you look at the employed population this amount to over two million people uh, many people stopped going to work and uh, Only a fraction of them, 24%, of them continue to study uh, or work at home. And so many people are not using the internet or some online opportunities, or maybe they just cannot use them. And uh, uh, this is uh, the slide that I would like to emphasize that you can see here that people over 60. much greater amount are continuing to go to work or to school. Uh, this is because they are mostly working in the government sector. Uh, many doctors uh, in particular are of senior age, and this is potentially a dangerous situation for these uh, older age people. Uh, okay, and... Um, uh, many people report uh, either reduced income or, they, or partially reduced income and uh, other sort of people uh, say that they will have money only for March. Another sort says that they will have uh, money savings only for March and April. Uh, impact on business we also know only from the surveys, and this is, uh, I must emphasize that this is not a representative survey, the previous one was representative, this one is not, This uh, these uh, numbers are reported by a business association, uh, which mostly unites uh, small and medium business. Uh, so you can see here that uh, many businesses report that they will not be able to work for long under these conditions. Introduced by the government. And uh, quite a lot of businesses report revenue fall due to the quarantine. This is mostly a services sector. Uh, And many, uh, despite that, many of them report that they are not uh, going to fire a lot of workers. So probably business expects that uh, the crisis will be V shaped. So, that as, as soon as the quarantine is lifted, uh, the business will pretty much uh, uh, return to as the usual mode. Okay. Um, and uh, this is a survey of the European Business Association, uh, which is also not representative of this uh, association. Presents mostly a large business and uh, business with foreign investment. And here you can see that uh, these enterprises uh, feel more or less okay, although uh, some of them report that they will reduce salaries or cut their employees. Uh, What was the policy response to that? Uh, The monetary policy. Uh, the national bank uh, lowered interest rate a bit. Uh, we don't see the large rate cut because uh, this may cause uh, higher inflation and valuation of the currency. Uh, also, uh, the national bank supported uh, somewhat the uh, by spending the reserves, uh, although it allowed it um, slowly to depreciate. Uh, and also uh, suggest uh, some uh, measures uh, for banks to support the real economy, like loan vacations vacations on payment of interest, uh, no delay, no fines for uh, delayed payments, and uh, uh, the government also imposed uh, a freeze on uh, interest rate price. Uh, fiscal policy response so far has been moderate because we don't have uh, money to introduce a, a very large policy response because there is no IMF program at the moment. Uh, there was some uh, tax relief. It uh, uh, was uh, the procedure for getting unemployment benefits was uh, simplified. And also, small business and self-employed people also got some tax relief. And also, there were measures specific to healthcare, like a temporary increase of salaries for medical workers, also temporary cancellation of taxes for medical goods and medicines, and for alcohol that is used to make disinfection liquid. And also, there was some intention to speed up the registration of uh, drugs and procedures that uh, seem to be effective in um, fighting coronavirus. This is all uh, for introduction.
0: OK. Uh, thank you very much, Ilana. Um, I want to clarify. Uh, to ask questions, you can tweet them to at Kennan Institute uh, and uh, submit them on Facebook to Kennan Institute or email them to kenan@wilsoncenter.org. at uh, Okay, I want to go next to Victor Andrusov, uh, who's going to talk to us about uh, the overall state of politics around the epidemic and, and the impact on Ukrainian politics so far. Uh, Victor uh, is a well known figure. He's the executive director of the Ukrainian Institute for the Future. Uh, prior to that, he served as vice governor of the Donetsk region in Ukraine, where he was responsible for the humanitarian sphere, obviously enormously important given the war in that region. Um, and from 2006 to 2014, he was a leader of the political organization Democratic Alliance, uh, one of the organizations behind the Euromaidan. So, Victor, please.
2: Hello, everybody. Thank you, Matt, uh, for the presentation. Okay, uh, just briefly to describe uh, how Ukraine uh, looks for me now. It's, uh, I feel myself in 2014 when uh, we don't have enough uh, state authorities. We don't, the state has no enough capacity to act. At, at the same time, society is uh, starting to organize uh, very strong and to solve the problems uh, by themselves. So, okay, let's briefly look at uh, the state of uh, authorities. So the president uh, himself uh, is doing a lot. He tries to communicate a lot of uh, things. He uh, gathered the big business uh, and oligarchs and uh, proposed them to lead uh, the regions, uh, to lead, uh, I mean, not officially, but to create some headquarters of help and uh, uh, they actually buy a lot of things with their own money from China and some the test system, uh, the hospital equipment and other things. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the office of the president uh, the last few weeks is in great scandal. Uh, the first part of the scandal that the head of the office uh, bought a very expensive car. Almost the next day, uh, the president uh, asked. Uh, business to help uh, to uh, beat uh, the um, epidemic and uh, but the real problem was the publication of the videos where the brother of uh, the head of the office is uh, like bargaining uh, with some positions in government and in ministry and that was a huge scandal Uh, but uh, for the moment it looks like it goes down because uh, nobody from uh, persons who were mentioned on that video were not appointed so uh, also uh, in Slogan uh, Rodu and uh, in uh, and the president they consider that that behind the scandal is staying the former head of the office uh, andrew Wogan. so he, they consider him as a person who published that video so uh, The situation with the government is very bad uh, because uh, we just in uh, uh, march uh, adopted the new prime minister but still uh, after months we don't have a lot of positions occupied we still have no ministry for energy energy education and others but at the same time we already have two new ministers uh, who because the previous ones served only three weeks and the problem is that actually we changed just the government. Uh, the parliament has changed two ministries, uh, who actually are at the key uh, ministries uh, un- under the crisis. It's a budget. It's a f- uh, ministry of finance and the ministry of health care. So, and this means that uh, only newly adopted uh, persons they would need g- additional time to to get involved in the situation and to understand the things uh, right. So they are not able to act uh, quickly. Uh, so uh, this also shows how much the government is not uh, capable to react properly and is not uh, prepared. Um, if we look to the parliament, also the big uh, situation happened uh, there this week. Uh, we can say now that the coalition from one fraction, uh, so-called monocoalition dissolved. And the reason for that was the adoption of the laws which IMF uh, demanded, uh, it was a law on land, uh, which was finally adopted uh, and a law on uh, banks. So, so-called anti-Kolomoisky, uh, anti-Kolomoisky law, uh, which should prevent uh, turning back the private bank to Kolomoisky. Uh, after these laws were adopted uh, and they were actually adopted with the help of another uh, fraction. Uh, and the Slugana Rodu has uh, not enough votes to adopt it by itself. So actually this is a new point for Zelensky. He lost his coalition in uh, uh, parliament and it means that he will be in big troubles in next few months. And uh, I think uh, we will have a huge crisis uh, parliamentary by the end of the year. So uh, at the same time, uh, I have just fresh, uh, uh, Figures on uh, polls, which were published yesterday, about how uh, how population estimate the steps of uh, uh, of government. So uh, to say that uh, Zelensky uh, has fifty six percent of support of his actions, that people consider him as uh, effective in this situation. Uh, regarding the prime minister, forty four percent of people uh, were not able to estimate. Uh, So partly because he is new and partly because actually people don't understand uh, what he has, uh, what what he is doing, because he communicates very few. Uh, So uh, the big issue for Ukraine now is the question of uh, state of emergency, Uh, because we have quarantine, uh, which was uh, enforced uh, today by the government. But uh, actually there is a big plan of uh, adopting the state of emergency. Uh, I'm personally really afraid of this because uh, uh, this will be a huge damage on economics and on all the, all the other things. So we can fail uh, so, so much that it will be very difficult then to stand up. And I joke that uh, the virus is not so, uh, so big threat as, as a struggle against vi- virus <laughs> for us. Okay, uh, so um, to say, and, but society itself, uh, 49% uh, say, support uh, implementation of state of emergency. So it means that people are really considering the situation uh, of virus uh, very very strict and uh, 87% uh, consider virus uh, as a real threat and uh, 51% consider it as a threat for the, for personally for themselves and their family. So um, just to mention one more thing uh, that for the moment also our government failed to implement uh, implement the special law Ilona uh, Alona mentioned something uh, that they did not change their fiscal politics they didn't uh, reduce uh, made the budget cuts and and the law which they passed uh, to do that failed in Parliament on Monday so I think the next week they should present the new law uh, what they should have to do and uh, and we will see whether the, gov- the parliament will have enough votes for that. So the final remark I we'd like to add about the Ukrainian economics. So as far as you know, uh, almost from 40 to 50% of our economy is in shadow. And uh, we have a big problem here on, uh, with the government politics because uh, the government consider uh, stimulate uh, and to respond to crisis uh, through uh, uh, reducing the taxes but uh, in shadow economy half of business is not paying taxes so with this politics uh, business will not be able to come through this crisis and so they should uh, really look for special uh, monetary politics uh, with the credits and, and other things to to give business a possibility to d- develop without the concrete direct uh, money from the government so thank you
0: Thank you very much, Victor. Uh, I want to turn now to Andrian Prokip, who will talk to us about uh, the impacts on Ukrainian society. Uh, Andrian is a senior associate with the Kennan Institute. Uh, He is an energy expert as well with the Ukrainian Institute for the Future, um, a member of the Younger Generation Leaders Network for Euro-Atlantic Security, and was previously a fellow at the Dixie Group, an independent Ukrainian think tank involved in research and consultations in the energy arena. Andrian, please.
3: Thanks for the introduction, Matt. So talking about Ukrainian society, it's uh, in between two fears. It's a fear of epidemic, it's a fear of uh, getting sick, and that is the fear of economic recession, uh, losing job, uh, losing uh, incomes, and uh, what means actually losing any opportunities to survive in the case if we have a pretty long quarantine. Uh, so uh, as it was mentioned, most Ukrainian society consider this COVID-19 uh, as a really threat for both, for, for, the, for the country and for themselves. And uh, uh, in the very beginning, people were skeptical about uh, all these steps that government took, yeah, but, but now uh, about 83% support the idea of uh, prohibiting any public meetings, uh, any public event. Uh, 74% uh, agree uh, that uh, penalties should be introduced for uh, violating the quarantine regime. Uh, uh, Still, uh, 58% suppose that uh, uh, current steps that uh, government took to cope with with COVID, uh, that these are good. Uh, 28% suppose that these are not enough and only 6% consider that uh, these measures are too strict. However, uh, on Monday, on April sixth, we will have uh, much more uh, serious uh, restrictions that will be prohibited to uh, to get uh, to, to any parks, uh, forests. Because two weeks ago, there was, were so many people who uh, organized uh, barbecues in the forest that uh, so people uh, are becoming more and more concerned. Uh, so another concern is. Uh, it's about economic recession and losing uh, incomes. Uh, so, uh, uh, since beginning of the quarantine uh, in, uh, on uh, March 11, uh, 35% uh, people say that they still uh, continue uh, working uh, as usual, visiting their offices and uh, working places. Uh, 29% moved to telework, uh, 32% uh, are uh, on vacation uh with payment or at their own expense and four percent have lost their job and the biggest problem for uh, in the case of Ukraine that uh, people don't have enough much savings to survive too long so sixty percent of uh, respondents uh, they, they said that they have savings to survive only for one month in the case is they had no salary 15 percent can survive for two months so um, the economic uh, recession and uh, like total quarantine, uh, closing uh, um, everything uh, is, is going to be a, a really serious uh, problem. Uh, however, uh, so the government expects that the peak of this uh, epidemic will be in, uh, in the mid of April. And there is also another one threat uh, that um, uh, we have uh, in the second part of April, we have Orthodox uh, Easter. And there is a tradition uh, that people, all people, gather to churches. So they, they visit their friends and relatives. So uh, there is uh, one more challenge: how people will um, treat themselves in this period of, uh, of Easter, and especially this may be a problem uh, in the rural areas. And rural areas have much worse uh, medicine, uh, healthcare, rather than cities. However, even in cities, people are concerned. So, concern is really high, and both about uh, the, the quality of healthcare and about uh, if people can uh, have enough money to survive during the quarantine.
0: Great, uh, thank you very much, Andrian. Uh, I wanna go now to uh, Mikhailo Minakov, uh, who will talk about uh, government response, but also in comparative context, Uh, with other regional states. Uh, Misha is the senior editor for the Kennan Institute's, uh, excuse me, senior advisor for the Kennan Institute and editor-in-chief of the Focus Ukraine blog at Kennan. He's also editor-in-chief of the Ideology and Politics Journal uh, and is a well-known expert focused on political modernization in Eastern Europe, theory and practice of revolution and political imagination and ideology. So Misha, please.
4: Oh, hello, hello everyone, and uh, good day to uh, good health to everyone who watches us today. So, basically, globally, there are four generic models of government response to the epidemics Chinese, Eastern, uh, East Asian, European, and Scandinavian. And all these models differ how massive is the testing, how strong the quarantine is imposed how big damage is done to the economy by this quarantine measures and how disciplined is society. The post-Soviet countries uh, post Soviet governments tend to use the European one when there's a minimal uh, testing, there's not enough tests, there's always a delay. So government doesn't really understand how big the epidemic is. Then uh, the quarantine is uh, gradually being imposed. So some soft measures that actually do not prevent uh, from the spread but already making an impact on uh, economy and then strong quarantine and self-isolation but at this stage when it's a little bit too late. Also society responds slowly to the quarantine measures. So societies are not disciplined like in Eastern Asian case, for example. And then we have this uh, quite a widespread of uh, Infection, slow response of government and um, uh, society. However, if we look at the post-Soviet governments, then we will see three basic types of how this European model is being implemented. First, there's uh, a group of deniers. The the most peculiar one, and it of course is based on the authoritarian regimes: Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and Belarus. Up until today recently yesterday uh, several medical experts in Belarus dared to actually say that th- there are cases of covid in Belarus and there's also one victim already but uh, it is strongly denied by the ruler uh, of Belarus in Turkmenistan the very word of uh, of uh, covid infection is prohibited and in Tajikistan who started reacting recently but they waited uh, until Novruz to start this big uh, traditional festivity to start and a lot of people got probably this contagion at this mass, mass gatherings. There's another group of the so-called fast responders. The first, uh, uh, the first governments to respond in early March were uh, Armenia and Georgia. Uh, recently also Kyrgyzstan have joined this group Uh, Kyrgyzstan, for example, have already introduced certain measures and agreed with IMF on support of their anti epidemic measures. Armenia and Georgia will most probably have a very controlled situation in terms of epidemics, so they were uh, quite fast reacting and introducing certain measures, but their economies will probably be damaged by these measures um, as well. And finally, there is a slow responders and Ukraine is among those when uh, Ukraine was waiting a little bit too long uh, in responding to the uh, many uh, stages of the spread of the virus. So uh, infection was coming into Ukraine, mainly was brought by the labor migrants from Europe and government was very slow in creating certain conditions Measuring temperature, uh, putting those migrants returning to Ukraine on quarantine, so basically from 70,000 to 150,000 there are different estimates of people returned from Poland from Spain from Italy into Ukraine, within the period of three four weeks and they were the, the major source of the infection and from March 12 Uh, there was statistically and epidemiologically established the fact that the uh, source of infection was already in the country. So basically by today, we uh, do not have massive testing and our epidemic service does not have a clarity of what what is going on where, but we know that there are uh, heavy cases of uh, unusual atypical pneumonia. And uh, in in recent two, three weeks, uh, when the tests were already on the ground, these pneumonias were tested as coronavirus provoked. But we also know that basically, Ukraine follows Italian model, when uh, polyclinics medical wars became the the, the centers of the spread of the infection. Uh, If we looked at today's statistics, uh, there are several uh, tens of uh, medicians who are uh, infected and who are sick and also uh, many uh, medical servants brave people specialists who are fighting the epidemic but there's also a, a number of people leaving their medical positions being afraid of the uh, infection without having uh, specific uh, uh, materials to defend themselves. So basically that's uh, a situation where Ukraine looks like a slow responder, but at least we know how uh, shall it proceed because we have this Italian and Spanish example and probably at certain moment with a new Minister of Health, what's two days, as it is, three days as he's in office, we would probably change the policy, but it remains yet to see, thank you.
0: Well, uh, I want to thank all of you uh, for the excellent opening uh, presentations. We have lots of questions that have come in already. Uh, and uh, so I want to I want to uh, try to get through as many of these as I can. But uh, of course, if you want to continue to ask questions, uh, you can tweet them to at Kennan Institute uh, or uh, post them for Kennan on Facebook or email Kennan at WilsonCenter.org. Um, so why don't we? Uh, Begin with this. Actually, uh, what if any impact is the pandemic having on the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? Um, Victor, do you want to take a stab at that? Uh,
2: yes. Uh, so uh, no. Uh, well, I don't think that there will be some uh, development, uh, and 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 we had this problem also. One additional scandal with uh, uh, Andrew Yermak uh, that uh, in Minsk they were ready to create special consultative uh, council, uh, which uh, which should legalize the um, negotiations with the separatists. And uh, the problem was also that he signed uh, this document, uh, approved this document. So, um, but, uh, and, and now they all, he also stepped back. So I think that the Ukrainian-Russia relations and the war on Donbass also will go for uh, quarantine. Um, because uh, Russians, uh, Russians have, themselves have a lot of uh, uh, challenges. Uh, they just canceled now the referendum uh, on on uh, constitution changes. So I think for the next few months, uh, m- most of us will uh, will be concentrated on our problems. Also, the big problem of oil prices for Russians, for Russians. But uh, uh, the the key question is. Uh, uh how we will look uh, after the epidemic I mean Ukraine and russia how much will we suffer Ukraine and, and our economy and uh, will we be weakened very much or not and I think that, uh, that the real change on uh, relations and the real change on situ- situation can uh, have place uh, after the the quarantine and after the end of the epidemic
0: but just just to be clear uh, on that point, Victor, you you don't see the uh, epidemic itself, the impact that that's having, uh, causing chaos, uh, uh, shutting down parts of the economy. You don't see that changing the dynamics of the war. Uh, we are getting into you know what might be called campaigning season, right? I mean, you don't expect like a big uptick in fighting because of this opportunity, do you?
2: Uh, no, I actually, I don't see that there will be some uh, changes because of the quarantine and because uh, Russians and we are concentrated on the internal problems, uh, which actually caused by the COVID virus. So, uh, but again, uh, how we will look after the end, this is the biggest uh, issue. Will we be stronger or weaker? And I think the Russians will re- uh, take floor on uh, on the results of our politics.
0: Good. Uh, does anyone else on the panel want to comment on on the impacts on the conflict?
1: I would like to add uh, just a small comment that uh, uh, shelling on the conflict line still continues, uh, so there is no sign of uh, Russia weakening its strategy on. Uh, you know, in the Ukrainian army alert about
0: what's going on. Okay, and then Misha, I saw your hand as well.
4: Yes. Uh, well, basically, there's a change in the procedure of moving through the front line. The number of checkpoints is reduced, the number, of and there's only the local dwellers who have the right to move on. Uh, the, the quarantine started uh, in both de facto. And it's, uh, it's a strange situation there. basically they don't have uh, tests as well, but they somehow operate with certain figures on the non-controlled territories. Uh, Certain time ago, several days ago, Russia lifted uh, prohibition for the uh, people from the non-controlled territory to move through the border. So they kind of can go and access medical support on Russian soil and um, on the Ukrainian side, there's a, a there was a problem with doing it. So right now this the war for the hearts and minds is uh, a little bit tricky. Uh, three days ago, there was a first time when the uh, Ukrainian army announced that there was a case of uh, uh, COVID in, in the army. They did not specify in which in which uh, part of the army, but probably it was in the Donbass. However, so far the army looks, uh, Ukrainian army looks like being a safe uh, harbor for, for the infection.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a, a good question that's coming in here. Um, and I, I think I can say uh, the source Tiffany Zhu from Stanford is asking. Um, how uh, Ukraine's new procurement infrastructure, for example, uh, apps like ProZoro, uh, this uh, in- enhanced transparency uh, system for procurement, um, is this holding up? Is this relevant in the shift towards more uh, business being done online and in particular for the health- healthcare sector like hospitals? Uh, I'm curious if you guys have any uh, insight into that. And in particular, I'd like to add to that, does the situation of scarcity look like in Ukraine? Are, are you having the kinds of problems uh, that we've seen in other countries, including uh, here in the United States, uh, being unable to get masks, being unable to get uh, certain basic uh, medical supplies? And then of course, the, the, the sort of famous joke, but not a joke about toilet paper. Um, who wants to, uh, Ilana, do you wanna start on that one on the economy uh, and then others can come in?
1: Uh, yes, uh, first on procurement, uh, actually the procedure uh, through Prozora is uh, quite long, it usually takes a month, so the government recently uh, adopted um, another regulation that allows to do the procurement for medical things in two days, uh, although they are still um, fine tuning that. I, I I don't think i've seen cases of that uh, operating uh, of that regulation operating right now uh, as for the general uh, supplies uh well there is a, a shortage of masks and uh, other things like present mall and uh, disinfectant in uh, stores uh, although in fact, you can find it and uh, as you can see on the streets many people Solve this problem either by making masks uh, themselves or by finding masks somewhere. Uh, yet uh, um, there is still an evidence that many hospitals lack uh, uh, costumes, masks, and uh, other protective uh, stuff. So yes, there is a problem and the export of that thing is banned right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to comment on this? I... I uh,
2: Please. Just want, I just wanted to add that the uh, uh, government just allowed people to uh, create their own masks. <laughs> I mean, to use their own make, home, home handmade masks, uh, because we really lack uh, a lot of them. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I just wanted to mention that people do really a lot uh, themselves, business, no, not not the government, but the society is now organized, the volunteers, uh, Our institute, for example, we also we created the special application, uh, which connects people, helps people and inform people. And so uh, a lot of other also uh, volunteers and uh, they they do a lot of job and, for example, volunteers start to provide army with masks. So this is also the example that not the state is effective uh, for the moment.
0: Um. I want to bring in a question from uh, Aaron Kennett, who asks uh, whether you could discuss the, the differences, in particular uh, oblasts uh, in the east of the country that may be closer to the war, oblasts in the west of the country, uh, in the center. Are there are there significant differences observable in the level of response, the level of quarantining, uh, et cetera? And uh, I also want to tack on this question from uh, Gwen Sassa, who asks, whether uh, the negotiations on Donbass are essentially frozen. That's an update maybe for you, Victor, just uh, quickly, if you could address that, uh, since you talked before about the the, uh, the Yermak scandal possibly uh, freezing the negotiations. Uh,
2: but if we talk about the regional dimen- dimension, uh, we have the, also one more uh, interesting fact. when. Uh, At the beginning of the quarantine and at the beginning of the epidemic uh, in uh, in Kharkiv region, the local oligarch and the mayor of the Kharkiv city, they actually were very rude with the governor. So they just like to ask him to shut up on the round table and uh, this is actually is a very anxious sign because the governor is a direct person from the president. So the local authorities are doing uh, much more now than the central state and uh, well to say that the situation all all, uh, uh, all over Ukraine is very similar I would say so in, in, of course they try to solve the problems by in, in different ways but uh, they are like on the front line more than the government yeah.
0: okay and um, I want to uh, does anyone else want to comment on the regional variations? Yes Go ahead. Okay.
4: So basically, if we look uh, at the spots where the infection re- is registered, we have like leaders in Kiev City and also in several cities, uh, oblast level cities in western Ukraine. And uh, oblasts there are tending to sh- uh, close the borders of the oblasts for example Chernivtsi have closed their borders and they try to respond locally at the oblast and at the community levels to the uh, challenges however it's quite difficult in the current situation with the shortage of um, tests and also this security dresses for the medical staff Well, but uh, there's this difference so far western Ukraine is has more registered cases of the
0: uh, uh, impacted people. I want to, Misha, while while we're on you, I want to stay on you for just a moment and um, ask an excellent question from Andre Bojok, who asks uh, whether this uh, authoritarian tendency, uh, and also I I would add the denialism that you described on the part of some of the most authoritarian regimes in neighboring countries, we, we basically seem to have two competing trend lines. One is that the Ukrainian state collapses, uh, as we've seen happen before, because of all the pressure uh, on the ruling party, on the president himself, on his team. And, and the other is perhaps that it swings towards more authoritarian tendencies. Um, what can citizens who care about democracy and a functional democratic state, what can they do?
4: Well, so far, it's mainly to cooperate either, as uh, Viktor was saying, on this societal level, well, horizontal levels, when people find other different ways of cooperating and also being uh, socially responding and self-isolation. But also there's uh, uh, the community level of response. Government uh, of Ukraine is playing an unfair game right now. The sequester and the change in the budget, puts more and more responsibility on, on local authorities without providing them with additional funding, but also cutting their taxes. The taxes that are being cut so far, they were fitting in, into the local budgets. So there is this disparity and a growing uh, tension between local authorities, regional administrations and
0: central government. Uh, Does anybody else want to comment on this question of democracy? Victor?
2: Yeah, Uh, go ahead, please. Yeah, uh, so um, look, uh, we have also uh, one big issue. It's a question of state of emergency and uh, under uh, implementation of the state, uh, for sure, uh, Mr. Ravakov could be the head of of the whole processes. So uh, we have this uh, big uh, risk but uh, the risk is not that the state of emergency will be implemented Uh, we are not uh, uh, the the authorities as a power is not able to implement that state of emergency because if you remember the poroshenko he tried to implement uh, a war uh, state of war and uh, he actually this was ended with a funny context because nothing uh, the state was uh, implemented but nothing uh, changed uh, but the problem is that uh, if they will try to do that, or uh, you see the problem is that if you will try to act as a China, but you're not a China, uh, you, you can uh, fail very deep. And this is the biggest problem that our authorities, they consider themselves as a China. They would like to do in some Soviet manner uh, to control, to, yeah, to, to block uh, uh, and, and other things. Instead, for example, our institute, we propose uh, so-called smart quarantine when we m- more rely uh, on people responsibility because actually this is more closer to the, to the population and the, uh, the country we are. And so I, I think that will, this will be a huge mistake and big fail of Zelensky if they will try to implement the state of emergency under uh, Avakov. Uh, and uh, so, but this risk is really high to have this problem, in, and for sure this will, act, uh, in fact, the democracy. And please do not forget that uh, in uh, autumn we should have the local elections, and uh, and this is again a big, big uh, problem now because without the state of emergency, they will be not able to transmit them for, for example, for for spring of uh, 2021. And they are not prepared to have that elections. And also, Zelensky would like to join these uh, elections uh, together on, all around Ukraine and on Donbas. And now we understand that there will be no, uh, there is no any chance to have them in autumn on
0: Donbas. Uh, just to follow up on the question of elections, uh, even setting aside the possibility of elections in Donbas, which of course has a, a big security and geopolitical dimension. Um, It seems clear that throughout the region, uh, there will be delayed elections. It will set the precedent that uh, some figures can hold on to power uh, longer than they might otherwise do. Uh, That's not necessary at the national level in Ukraine. But would there be an incentive to do that at the local level?
2: Well, um, I'm afraid that we will have this parliament crisis and the problem is that uh, we cannot uh, postpone them uh, because uh, they are in constitution and and the constitution has a direct uh, norm that we should have them at that time and uh, to to make any steps uh, besides the state of emergency is not possible under the law. And uh, taking into account the parliamentary crisis, uh, I, I think the parliament will be not able to, to change the constitution or, or the law. And at the same time, also regarding the democracy issues, uh, we have a huge challenge for the decentralization. Because uh, decentralization uh, uh, should be finished uh, before the elections, but now we see that they will be not able to, to end it before the elections. So. Again, there will be a lot of problems because new, uh, the new law, uh, new code on election, on elections uh, is not ab- will be not able to be implemented this time. So I- I'm afraid uh, that there is- they will try to uh, hold uh, elections under the former law and uh, the decentralization will be not ended. So it means that we will have elections like in 2015, if we will have
0: them. Um, Andrean I want to bring you into the discussion. Uh, I think we, uh, we haven't gotten any questions directly to you, but I, I got one here uh, about impacts on Ukraine's social fabric, the destruction of norms. And uh, I'm curious in particular, given that it's, you know, less than half a generation ago, uh, that Ukrainians experienced both the uh, impact on norms of the rapacious corruption of the Yanukovych period, but then also uh, the violence uh, that went with uh, Maidan and everything uh, afterwards. It is the base case for Ukrainian society uh, going to be to say, we need to reset, that that there's going to be a kind of uh, rejection of whatever have become the new norms? Or uh, has has the, the the sort of social fabric settled enough now uh, in the view of Ukrainians that uh, they can get through a crisis like this? Well,
3: I think uh, the crucial is how long the crisis will last. Uh, so um, most probably that by the end of uh, April we will have the end of this quarantine, and after that we will have uh, uh, renewal of the economy. But still uh, under the out. Our focus that we did in the for the future, so uh, we consider that by the end of spring, uh, 4.5% of employed uh, employees may lose their jobs, and uh, you know that that's uh, the, the this big risk that in the case people losing their jobs and uh, in the case if economy is falling, uh, that is a risk for um, for worsening uh, situation with crimes. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, the, the, the crucial thing, thing is uh, how long the crisis lasts, uh, how deep it will be, uh, and uh, how people and economies suffer. And for me, uh, in this case, uh, the crucial is uh, indicated uh, uh, decreasing demand for electricity. So if uh, one and a half weeks, uh, that was 5%, then today it is 10%. And comparing to previous prices we had, Five percent of um, adjusted demand uh, decrease meant about twelve percent of uh, economic uh, squeezing. Yeah, and ten percent of adjusted demand decrease is it's not uh, the final point. Italy has thirty percent. So I mean uh, that uh, that economic fall may be very serious, and it will depend how long all this quarantine. Uh, and this actually uh, will uh, impact on many basic basic things in the country.
0: I had a question from Neil Messina of Rapiscan Systems uh, about uh, the president's closure of the state border. So, uh, first of all, how thorough is that closure? I mean, for example, I assume that energy products are still going back and forth. Uh, I assume the certain basic humanitarian products. Uh, for example, Ilana, you mentioned, uh, and, and, and you're not the only one, many people have talked about uh, how Ukraine's agriculture sector is going to be such a big uh, beneficiary of this. Okay, but uh, Ukrainians themselves are not going to eat more food than they were eating before. Uh, the stuff has to be exported. So, so how is the, the border closure working? Is it just people? Is it just affecting the services sector uh, of the economy? Uh, or is it going to be a broader closure and, and what impacts is that
1: going to have? Uh, it is uh, just people, and uh, uh, freight is going back and forth. Uh, only exception is the um, lorries, you know, cargo uh, vehicles that go through Europe, because many uh, European countries have also closed their borders. So this is the problem of mo- moving goods, uh, but ports and railroads is working fine.
0: And, and do you agree with Andriane's assessment based on uh, projecting from energy usage about the level of economic decline? Because it's quite a bit higher, I think, than what the uh, international projections are.
1: I don't know; it's hard to say for me right now. But uh, the estimates that I saw range from minus four to minus nine percent of GDP due to the crisis.
3: I mean, uh, Sorry, sorry just one. Uh, yeah, yeah, just one point to make it clear that uh, in the case for, if we two to have electricity demand uh, 5% less, that means that for these two months period, we can have uh, 10, thirteen percent economic uh, fall. But in term of one year, sure it will be less. It may be like 5% of uh, the GDP decrease compared to that what we could have.
0: Um, let's take uh, maybe one or two more questions here and then I'll wrap it up so we can stay within time. Um, uh, Victor, let me come back to you on this one. Uh, you said that the uh, mono faction, uh, the, the mono coalition has broken in the Rada, and certainly that seems to be true based on uh, all the signals. Uh, but what does the future of the Rada look like? Will there be a coalition that involves some of the non uh, Narodu parties? Uh, is is GOLUS going to come in? Uh, who is, who's going to be part of governing Ukraine from the standpoint of coalition building uh, either still during the crisis or let's say in the immediate aftermath of it?
2: So my forecast is that uh, the Parliament will uh, look very much like uh, as it was under Poroshenko because uh, Poroshenko uh, didn't have a coalition. Uh, so he has just formally uh, and really in reality he didn't have. So it means that under each voting, uh, they should uh, collect votes from different uh, parties, fractions uh, and, uh, and other places. So, but uh, in, in this, uh, I think uh, uh, it will not work long. So it can take place uh, in uh, several times, but later uh, I'm afraid that Zelensky will lose the parliament and he will try to, to get the new parliamentary elections uh, after the uh, July, because uh, the parliament is protected for one year after the election. So uh, I, I think he will try to do that, but uh, uh, I would predict that he will fail. So uh, he is going to permanent crisis of his political power.
0: Um- I don't wanna steal the thunder from my colleagues who will speak about this on Tuesday next week, but information and disinformation have been a huge dimension of this crisis worldwide. Um, but of course, we talk about information wars and disinformation, uh, Ukraine and its ongoing war with Russia is a is a hotbed of that, is an absolute centerpiece uh, and in particular on the problem of disinformation. Um, what impact has Information either getting to the Ukrainian people uh, or not getting to the Ukrainian people, or false information, disinformation. What what impact has that had on these indicators of confidence and willingness to uh, uh, comply with government orders and general social cohesion? Uh,
2: so, if, if if to take Ukraine, uh, I, I didn't notice some some special. Uh, new waves of uh, disinformation or some operations, so nothing special actually happened. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know that they do something in US and in the European Union, but uh, in Ukraine, um, you see, the problem is that uh, the cousin of uh, Putin, uh, Mr. Medvedchuk, he owns of uh, the biggest news channels in, in Ukraine. So if uh, to look at, at this from this point, so we have like the permanent disinformation campaign from Russia's. So uh, they don't do some special steps, uh, I think. And, uh, but uh, the polls actually, and the figures I read in the first uh, speech uh, shows that uh, actually people support the steps of the government. But uh, I think that people do that because they really consider COVID as a threat. And um, from this point of view, uh, I would say that this compliance is more of a society conscience than of some special information campaigns.
0: It's uh, it's almost like herd immunity towards disinformation. The Ukrainians have been exposed to it before. So yeah. they now have. <laughs> um, OK, let me give yeah. anyone who wants a, an opportunity for just a final thought in 30 seconds uh, before we close. Uh, uh, Ilana?
1: Yes, my final thought would be that um, uh, right now I would say that the Ukrainian government response is asymmetric, so it uh, uh, puts most of the cost of the quarantine on people, uh, while uh, on this side the parliament didn't even adopt this uh, anti-colonial law. It was adopted only in the first reading, Uh, so uh my opinion uh, as a citizen is that uh, the government is not being fair to people by putting all the cost on the population and business
0: okay andrian
3: yeah i think that uh the next week will be uh will demonstrate the future of this uh, covid in ukraine so because uh during last three days we didn't have a serious increment like the number of uh uh, disease cases was uh, the same and uh, a number of tests uh, is four times higher than the number of uh, cases registered so and in the case if we uh, have the same dynamic i think then we can have a hope uh, about uh, finishing the quarantine by the end of the april
0: okay misha
4: well uh, from all it looks uh, there is a, a, a certain controversy or discrepancy in the response of ukrainians Polls show that there is a certain trust to government and to uh, policy of quarantine. There's a big number of people, majority of people who uh, look at the quarantine measures with understanding. But when you look at the behavior, at the practice of Ukrainians, you see there's a big distrust to the central government, certain distrust to the local governments and reliance on neighbors, friends, and the colleagues. So I think what Ukrainians do look is to survive by working together in
0: many different ways. Victor, final word to you. Uh,
2: So uh, you should uh, not uh, treat the mistakes and failures of uh, government and power as uh, uh, risks to Ukraine. (laughs) This is my key message because society itself is much stronger than the authorities. So uh, we will see a lot of fails then, but don't treat this as a science of uh, a failed state, uh, because society will solve almost all the problems we have.
0: Well, I have to say, after listening to all of you, um, I'm really now preoccupied. My mind is turning over and over this metaphor of the ways in which uh, all of the threats and challenges, including disinformation, including the failure of governance, including political fractiousness, uh, economic challenges, they're all kind of like a virus in the sense that Ukraine has endured all of them for so long that uh, in a way, this point that both Misha uh, and Viktor have made about the resiliency of Ukrainian society, it's, it is a special kind of, uh, immunity would be the wrong word. And, and I don't want to take the metaphor too far, but I'm hearing in a sense that uh, Ukraine actually has a, a deep well of resiliency uh, in its society and that's very encouraging so it's fitting uh, at a time when we're all all, uh nervous and uh and isolated uh physically to end on that kind of optimistic note and i want to thank all four of our speakers very much and thank my colleagues at the wilson center uh, for making this meeting possible and thank all of you for joining us and for your excellent questions bye-bye
1: thank you bye
0: bye